0: Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever. Interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate?
1: Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today I am joined by Michael McPherson, who is the author of Everything You Never Learned About Sex, Take Back Your Masculine Power and Use Your Sex Energy for Good. And we're going to radiate peace and ease concerning sex and sexuality. Well, hi, Michael. Welcome, for, welcome and thank you for joining me.
2: Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. So this book, everything you never learned about sex. Um, what? Just give us a nickel nickel tour a synopsis.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's essentially a blueprint for men to follow, start to finish, for them to obtain, a grow into, expand to a more empowering relationship to sex and sexuality. For the most part, we're introduced to sex at a very vulnerable time in our lives around puberty when essentially everything about our life is changing. And how most of us were introduced was through forms of entertainment like pornography. So we've come far or gotten far from what you could could say is our original blueprint or original design around sexuality. And this book is really intended to help men make the journey back to their original blueprint.
1: Nice. So what what is this original blueprint that you're talking about?
2: Sure. Well, the original blueprint is sex being used for good and our sex energy being used for good. So the purposes of sex being to connect, to share an intimacy, to co-create, to heal and to access the divine so instead of it being a, a simple tool for physical pleasure or even a means of releasing stress uh, avoiding deeper wounds things that we don't want to face in our life having it be something that's uh carries intention and is a space for the miraculous essentially
1: Oh, absolutely. So you're talking about sex being co creation. What do you, can you say a bit more about that?
2: Sure. It's my personal belief that our sex energy is the most creative energy in the universe. And it is a tool, if you will, that was given to us by our creator. So it's something we're born with. And that's a misconception that a lot of people don't know because it's termed sex energy. So they think it, It means something sexual and it's really not. It's just, it's an energy that originates from around our sexual region, our sex organs. And that's why it's called sex energy. It's known by other names, kundalini, life force energy, prana, mana, it's all the same thing. But I call it sex energy because it's an invitation, obviously into this conversation, which is one that I want to have. So we're born with our sex energy and then we go through puberty and our sex hormones come online and we experience our sexuality. But when we come together with another person, we are really harnessing our sex energy, this creative life force energy to create something. And what we create depends on our intention during that space. So my beloved and I, anytime we make love, we always set our intention. What do you want to create? What's your intention for this experience? And that's what we invite in as we make love. Because when you, our individual sex energy is powerful in and of itself. You know, us in our own sovereign being, our sex energy is very powerful and very creative. When you bring that together with another human being, it amplifies exponentially. And therefore our ability to create or co-create together amplifies exponentially. So it's all based on what we intend to create. And I say that whether you're conscious of it or not, whether you conceive a physical child or not, you're always conceiving something during the act of lovemaking Mm -hmm. and what you're conceiving is completely up to you.
1: Wow. And so how did you approach this conversation with your beloved when you were first becoming intimate? I mean, that's, that's gotta be a kind of a tricky thing to navigate.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, we didn't necessarily have a conversation, uh, Up front. So she was ahead of me in this area. And really, the whole reason I, not not the only reason, but a big reason I wrote this book is because I needed to heal in this area. And at that point in my life, I was looking around for other mentors and other leaders that I could learn from. And I I couldn't really find any. You know, I knew of the old school guys like David Data, I had read uh, essentially all of his books. Um, but there wasn't necessarily someone who had modernized the work for my generation. And so I thought, well, if there's nobody out there that's doing it, then it, at least in my immediate environment, then it must be up to me. So I'll start and uh, take it upon myself to heal and, and invite other people into that as well. So with my beloved, she was really already very much embodied in this area. And the fact that she was, even though we hadn't talked about it, it was something that I could feel in the way that she carried herself, in the way that she honored her body, in the way that she interacted with me in the lovemaking space. Uh, in the, the fact that she had uh, already gone through her own sexual healing, if you will, and return to her own sexual empowerment. So it wasn't necessarily something that was spoken between the two of us, but it was very much understood energetically. And she is the one who really inspired me to, to grow in this area. She was the line in the sand for me where I said, none of these things for my past are going to go any further because this relationship is too sacred to bring any of that into here.
1: Right, right. And when you talk about these these wounds, can you be a little bit more specific?
2: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's yeah. got wounds, we all. Oh yeah. Some that we're born with, some that we experience at a very young age and they carry with us into our adult lives. And uh, sex, money, and power are the big three, the way that we avoid our wounds. Uh, For me, it was sex. For other people, it might be their career. It might be success. It might be how much money they make. It might be having power over other people. But many times, and especially with men in the realm of sex, it's to avoid facing emotional pain from the past. And for me, one of my biggest emotional points of emotional pain for me in my life has been not understanding why I'm here, not knowing why I'm here. What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. Why was I born? Right. And at times, why did you bring me here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I doing here? And that was um, throughout my life. And especially in my young adult life, a source of pain for me because I didn't have answers and I felt lost. So to avoid feeling that I chased after women and This quote unquote thrill of the chase kept me in a state of uh, infatuation or a heightened state of excitement, just enough to keep me from feeling that wound of not understanding or not knowing why I'm here. And that's just one example. Um, Another example is uh, a lot of us men make it into our adult life without truly knowing that we are in fact, a man without truly understanding that we have what it takes to be a man in the world, because that was never really given to us or bestowed to us from our own fathers, that understanding. So we look for ways to validate our own masculinity and we take it upon ourselves to validate our own masculinity. And so I did that through conquering sex in women And so I became quote unquote Conan the conqueror and every notch on my belt made me feel like more of a man uh, slaps on the back and arms around the shoulders from other men, my age built up my self-esteem as a man. But of course it was built on a false principle. Wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And I needed to keep conquering. I needed to keep going in order to keep that story alive, which Mm -hmm. pushed me further into distorted expressions of sexuality and shame and all of those things, which we can, of course, talk about. But the wound itself was never having heard from my father because of his own upbringing, his own lack of expression, that you are, in fact, a man now. You have what it takes to go forth and be a man in the world. I believe in you. You can do this. And so I was needing to prove that to myself somehow. And again, you can prove it in many different ways. For me, it was proving that through. Um, women and sex
1: right right so a f- form of toxic max- masculinity sure you know we're talking about that quite a lot that there's something very sacred in the in the feminine there's something very sacred in the masculine as well but when it it turns to wounding ourselves and others and that takes on some toxicity absolutely so you wrote this book for men yes uh, yeah why did you think that men needed this I think it's pretty obvious but I'd like to hear from your words
2: yeah again I needed it so that's how I knew (laughs) Um, and I you know I had by the time I wrote this book I had done a lot of growth personal and professional development in my life I had Gone to many development courses. I had participated uh, with a company called Landmark, done personal and professional development. Hmm. I had even coached a lot of those courses and participated at a higher level. And still, this area of life was a source of disempowerment for me. I was still watching porn on the back end. I was still having one night stands. I was still being disingenuous in my relationships with women. So, I wrote this book because I knew that I needed to heal and I knew that I wasn't the only one. And I actually, before I started writing, I was just starting to have honest conversations with the men in my life. Uh, I have a lot of wonderful men in my life and I'm a part of even a beautiful spiritual community. People around me have similar beliefs that I do. Um, They're living in a very spiritual way, I guess you could say. But when I asked them, you know, are you still watching porn? A hundred percent of them said yes. And many of them were still or were in romantic unions or romantic relationships at the time. And not like that's the only question to ask, but it tells you a lot. It told me a lot at that time. And, And men that I looked up to and respected were still doing these things in this particular area of life, and I just knew it wasn't right, something's not right here. There needs to be a higher standard for us. We need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. So that was part of my inspiration as well.
1: And so what do you see as the the downfall of porn of the the problem with it?
2: Yeah, so it, it comes to us at a very young age, you know right. It came to me right as I was going through puberty. And our minds are very malleable at that time. Our minds are very malleable in general, but especially then in our youth. Mm. And so uh, having no context for what sex was, for what it looked like, for how men and women were supposed to relate to each other in that space, having really zero understanding going into it. When I opened up my computer screen and and started looking at porn that became to me what sex was okay. or what it was supposed to be. So it was an imprinting, if you will, of, of how I was meant to be in this area. So what I saw was, uh, you know, very big, large, muscular men, chiseled with huge penises. And I saw very attractive women with all the things, you know, the implants, the the thin bodies, very fit. And of course the expression of one to another, you know, the man being very aggressive and, um, you know, dominating if you will. And the, the woman desiring to be dominated and that's what a woman wants. So, Almost immediately it bore insecurities in me because I looked at these people and I said that's not me i'm not that yeah. i'm not six foot five and chiseled, you know i don 't have what he has so now I felt like I needed to compensate through my actions for something that I inherently wasn't born with, which obviously is not true. I was given what I was meant to have, but it was only in viewing pornography that that even arose in me in the first place, those insecurities. And at the same time, you know, there is the, the programming that we receive. And so porn is where I learned how to objectify women and see them as sex objects. And part of my healing journey, which is something I'm forever grateful has been coming back into my heart and remembering that the women in the world are their children, their wives, their sisters, their daughters, seeing them and receiving them as the whole being that they are and not just the object that this form of entertainment trained me really over years and years of time to view them as. And that's the thing. Most people's pornography use or pornography habit isn't just a once a year thing. It's a daily, weekly use for years, decades even. And if you participate in anything for that long, it's going to have an impact on you, let alone something that's as detrimental to our health as this.
1: Mm-hmm. And so what do you feel is at the core of porn addictions, which I, I truly feel that this can be an addiction? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it was at one point for me. So there's certainly the biochemistry that takes place anytime you are participating or watching porn. You get drops of dopamine and other neurochemicals that drop into your system. Those reward chemicals that have us feel good, Um the longer we go, the more we need to experience that same high, if you will, mm-hmm. which leads to more and more distorted expressions of sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's not the nudity in porn that men or people are addicted to. It's the novelty. It's the newness. It's the differentness. It's the the ability to be with 10 different women in the matter of 20 minutes, if you will. So that trains our mind to be in dic- uh, addicted to the chemicals of infatuation, which actually translates into relationships as well. So then when you, when you go out in the world and you leave your computer screen and you start to interact with real women, you're still addicted to the chemical high of the newness of a relationship. So when that wears off, as it does and did for me in every single one of my relationships. I didn't have the ability to mature into a new kind of love, a more mature expression of relationship and love and even intimacy. Because I thought that when the infatuation and the chemicals stop, that means it's over, that something's wrong here. This is clearly the end. And then I would jump ship to the next relationship.
1: So what's the solution to get off of that, uh, that wheel and yeah. into healthy, fulfilling relationship? Yes.
2: Yeah, so I, there are many solutions and there's a lot of opportunities to heal. But I, I think for me, the biggest solution uh, that I know of is really coming back to nature. Yeah. Nature designed us intelligently to be a certain way to be a certain way, especially with our sexuality and uh, this world that we experience through technology and through our computer screens. It's really a synthetic creation. It's not real. You know, everybody knows that pornography is not real. It's a form of entertainment. It's meant to be addictive. It's meant to excite us, but it's not a real expression of what, what goes on in the real world or real interactions between men and women. So uh, the biggest thing I can recommend for people in the beginning is to just close the computer screen and go outside and start to connect with what is real. Put your bare feet on the ground, start to harmonize with the radiance and the frequency of mother earth, start to take in your environment and remember Where we come from, remember all that we're connected to. And that in and of itself itself starts to calm the nervous system from those patterns of excitement and infatuation and all those heightened expressions that the nervous system takes on. That's probably a a big step one. And I know uh, I've talked to many men and they say it's incredibly difficult to go quote unquote cold turkey. And I understand because that's what I did. Um, and I always say that the, the program, that programming that we received for 10, 15, 20 years of our lives is, is not going to disappear overnight. Mm-hmm. So we have to have patience and we have to have understanding that this is going to take time. Something that was programmed into us and we developed over the course of a couple of decades isn't going to disappear in two days.
0: Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit com slash podcast for more information.
1: Right, right. Well, porn is not a new thing. I mean, there were paintings in ancient egypt ancient rome that were pornographic i mean this is something that that has been going on for for thousands and thousands of years seems like it's a lot more synthetic a lot more prevalent now perhaps yes um now something i really enjoyed in your book is that you talk about vibration and I just thought that was a, a remarkable thing to, to see in a book about sexuality. And I absolutely loved it. Um, can you talk about raising your vibration?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So there are obviously higher frequency expressions of sex and sexuality, and there are lower frequency expressions of sex and sexuality. And our expression of our sexuality is forever and always dependent on our vibration and where we are at in terms of our vibration. So I know it's a, it's a trending word. A lot of people have probably heard it. It's out there. It's connected to a lot of different modalities, but vibration for me is really the energy that you carry the, the, the way you are acting, the energetic signal that you are actually emitting from your body. And so it's, We can all think of this in terms of, you know, there's people who are expressing, you might encounter someone in your day-to-day life who's unhappy, who's grumpy, who's holding judgments, who's begrudging towards the world, hates their job, doesn't want to be at home. And they emit a certain energy that we feel.
1: Right.
2: And then there are those people that are in love with their lives. They truly appreciate each day that they're given. They live in a state of gratitude And when we interact with those people, it feels very different. We generally are uplifted in their environment or in their field. So that's vibration. And it applies to this conversation as well. And it applies to the use of our sex energy. You know, our sex energy can go to work creating more distortion or distorted expressions of sexuality, or it can go to work for really what I believe it was intended to, which is creating our heaven on earth creating more love in our immediate relationships and if we can do that in our immediate relationships and our romantic unions then we can certainly do that in our world but if we can't do it at home how could we ever expect to have peace love and harmony in our planet
1: oh my gosh i just love that that's wonderful um which to me begs the question should we be teaching this to our children
2: the conversation around vibration or vibration and sexuality or all the above.
1: I, I think all of the above, but in the purposes of our conversation to teach our children, how, how we can be in this, this union in a relationship. And, you know, I, I just feel like, I know that as when I was a teenager, I was kind of left to my own devices and it sounds like you were too. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know when left to our own devices we're going to find the most the easiest thing to consume which is of course is going to be pornography is going to be advertising is going to be movies right right so do you have children
2: I don't have children I'm really looking forward to the day that that happens yes. so ready yes. at any time yeah <laughs> and in terms of teaching our children I think I really feel that we come in mm-hmm. innately intelligent yeah. I talk about blueprint and design. We were designed intelligently. And until we experience some form of distortion or uh, frequencies that are not a match to that, to where we come from, if you will, that's when we quote unquote fall on the wagon, fall off the wagon. That's our fall from grace. So with children, I, I don't necessarily know that we have to lead with words, you know, and especially when it comes to sex, it's like having the sex conversation. What do I say? I talk to a lot of parents. I work with a lot of parents and they always want to know, like, what do I talk to my son about? How do I, how do I have this conversation with him? And I say, you know, sometimes you just don't, sometimes you, you just create a safe environment where you can talk about anything and you let them be kids. Of course you want to protect them, You know, we do our best to protect our children from what they're exposed to, protect them from harm. But I think the point is to really allow them to develop naturally. And maybe they're going to teach us some stuff around sex and sexuality, right? Because they won't come in with the same shame. They won't come in with the same fears. The reason I reached for porn initially is because I was scared to talk to my parents about it. I was scared to talk to my parents about sex and sexuality. Right. And if that fear or hadn't been there, or if we had already created a container of safety with each other, I probably would have felt safe to open up to them. And that would have been the start of my relationship to sex and sexuality. But I turned to porn because I was afraid to talk to them about it. So I thought porn was a safe space where I could go to learn about sex. And then it was a long fall from there for many, many years. But I think we can prevent that by just creating emotionally safe environments. And we do that by doing the work ourselves, by healing our own relationship to sex and sexuality, because our children are just balls of energy when they first show up in the world. You can't talk to a child and have them understand you, but they feel you. They take on your energetic imprinting. So if you have two people that are in relationship, in union with each other, and what they're emitting is genuine intimacy and love and safety, the children are going to feel that.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I, I do feel that it is um, best to lead by example, than try to find words that are going to be inadequate. Right. To lead by example. And that, that is, that starts with the vibration that starts with occupying our space in the world. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'll say, you know, I love my parents. My parents are amazing. And they, they uh, have given me so much in life and such beautiful life experiences. And when I was young, even at a very young age before puberty, I I remember feeling emotionally a lack of intimacy between them. That's what I witnessed, a lack of closeness. And that impacted me even as a child. And so that became one of my wounds. And my greatest gift too, because I can actually perceive when there's a lack of intimacy in spaces and then invite us into intimacy, you know, but for a long time, that was also what I was running from and the pain or one of the wounds I was running from was feeling and witnessing a lack of intimacy between my parents.
1: Sure. Now, have you had a conversation with them since writing this book?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I've had quite a few conversations with them. We're not necessarily exactly on the same page. They still come from a very religious context, which is totally fine in in their choice, of course. Um, But I know that they appreciate that I followed my own passion, followed my own inspiration and brought this work forward.
1: You know, there is nothing in Any of our texts, religious texts or otherwise, that that preclude us from celebrating our relationship with the divine, celebrating our relationship with God in our romantic relationships. Yes, Can you talk about a bit about how we can incorporate the divine?
2: Yes. So all of us by nature are, of course, divine beings. We come from a divine source. And even though we incarnate into this very physical experience in these physical bodies, most of us are still that spirit self, mostly that spirit self, mostly that divine self. So whether we like it or not, that part of us is involved in everything we do. And it's certainly not absent in our lovemaking space, but we can bring ourselves forward and presence ourself more to our Spiritual existence through lovemaking and through our intention during lovemaking. It's one of the most powerful ways in which we can experience God or the oneness behind all things or the peace of all existence. You know, all of these phrases and terms that we've heard intellectually, conceptually, our lovemaking is actually where we can experience that as lived, as felt by the body. And what I love about the lovemaking space is, and I say this in my book as well, it's the perfect analogy for life. Love making, sex is the perfect analogy for life. There's so much we can learn about ourselves here. The path of surrendering really is the pathway to experiencing God, to letting God into our lives, to letting God through us, to letting our spirit work through us. And in lovemaking, we have countless opportunities to surrender and learn about ourselves. So in the lovemaking space, we can be tense. We can be barely breathing. We can be gripping. We can be focused on an end goal. We can be thinking about our performance. We can be distracted by anything else that we've seen online or in the world uh, which is, you know, a lack of presence. So bringing our awareness to that space, we can really get present to all of the things in our life, all of our ways of being that keep us from receiving the experience that we're in, receiving not only the physical pleasure, but receiving our beloved receiving the sanctity of this, the space, surrendering to the feeling and allowing our sex energy to actually overcome us, to work through our, the entirety of our body. And if you can receive in the lovemaking space, then you can receive outside of the lovemaking space. You can receive the beautiful things that happen in your life, right? And you can allow those things to hit you and really be fulfilled by those things. You can receive your coworkers and how beautiful it is that you're both working towards a shared vision. You can receive your family, your friends, the opportunities that come to you. And I have said that the receiving is the work of the 21st century, especially for men to allowing life to fully hit our hearts. And if we can do that in the lovemaking space, we can do that anywhere.
1: Oh, absolutely. So it, it opens up a sense of vulnerability as well and just opens up the entire body to receive. Absolutely. Right. No, that's, that's beautiful. So it can truly be a spiritual experience. If we... It
2: absolutely can. It is a spiritual experience. It's just a matter of how attuned we are to that experience.
1: Right. And whether we yeah. receive it as such too, I believe.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So there are things that we can do to facilitate a spiritual experience for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So rather than just meeting up and throwing our physical bodies together and seeing what happens and creating enough friction for ejaculation, we can actually bring intention to this space. And one thing that I like to teach men to do is to create sacred space. So anytime you create sacred space, or going through a space with somebody, it's a container that you're sharing. You guys are in a space together. So to facilitate the safety of a space, to allow for two people to drop into the deepest experience that they possibly can, you just invoke the sacredness of it. So some things you can do is just clean up. I mean, first things first, like clean the space that you're going to make love in. Make sure that it's a representation of your inner world and what you desire to experience so pick up the clothes make the bed get all the junk out of the room and to go beyond that you can cleanse the space energetically you can burn some sage some palo centos to clear the energy you can put on some essential oils to really bring the sensuality alive you can play music and then always 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 setting intention so that two people coming together in a space of intimacy are very clear on what they're here for together. There's no mistake or there's no curiosities left up to the mind. It's very clear what two people coming together desire and are creating together.
1: Right, right. Beautiful. And then you work with clients. You work with people on mentoring them in this way.
2: Absolutely. Yes. So I have a it's been amazing this journey. At first, it was mostly crickets, you know, a lot of not a lot of people very interested in this conversation. But since uh, a lot of men have come forward and really expressed a genuine desire to grow in this area, and that's what I help them do. So I help them to do that, whether they're uh, single and out in the world on their own, or especially for me, my work is mostly with people that are in relationship and wanting to expand upon the intimacy they can experience in their union.
1: Nice. And can people connect with you online? Can they connect with you to set up a, uh, a session?
2: Absolutely. Yep. The best place to connect with me is via my website, mm-hmm. www.michaelmcpherson.co, C-O, dot .co. .co. And, Yep. And you'll find everything you need to know about me there. And you can also connect with me um, or find connections to me on social media as well from my website.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So from raising vibration to creating sacred space to improving relationships, improving our sexuality, um, just it seems like you touch truly on every aspect of someone's life.
2: I like to. And it's because this conversation has touched every part of my life, truly, and changed every part of my life. So it's it's not compartmentalized like we like to believe that it is. And it's much safer for most people, not really, but conceptually to think of it that way. When sex is just that thing that's over here in the corner, we don't have to look at it. We don't have to address it. And we don't want to. It's obviously very uncomfortable for most people. But it's, it does impact every single area of our life. And so the work that we do in this area opens up so much in every other area of our life.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, is there anything that you feel like we haven't touched on, haven't talked about that you think is important to mention?
2: Well, just on the last, yeah, just that last question, you know, A lot of people are afraid to approach this conversation because they think that in order to be, let's say, embodied in their sexuality, that they need to go to Tantra courses, that they need to get naked and dance naked in a room full of other people, that they need to do all of these wild and, you know, audacious things. And it's just not true. There's an inherent difference between our sex energy and our sexuality. And I think that understanding that those two things are different, that our sex energy is something that we're born with and we are given to by our creator in order to use in an empowering way. And our sexuality is just one of the areas in which we can express our sex energy, but we're actually meant to express it in all areas of our life.
1: That's an important distinction. I believe
2: Absolutely. So that really understanding that, that sex is only one very small pinhole expression or ways in which we can express our sex energy, alleviates some of the fear around this conversation. Because when people feel the energy of arousal, when they feel their sex energy rising within them, they automatically think and believe that it means something sexual. And if we can decondition that, we realize that it's not sex energy is not inherently sexual other than the, other than the fact that it comes from our sexual region, the area of our sex organs, that's the only sexual thing about it, but we can actually use this energy to create, to further our dreams, to uh, follow our purpose and pursue our purpose in the world. And that, when you discover that opens up a whole new world of possibility for people and so if you're afraid to have this conversation just understand these two things are distinct and there are worlds available that are not sexual by any means that we can explore to have you understand your sexuality better
1: wow yeah beautiful 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 and i'm just looking at your offerings here on your website union codes return of the sacred couple um one-on-one illumination session uh rock solid lover a four-month personalized immersion i mean there's so many offerings here to help people touch in with that aspect of themselves that is the creative that is the dynamic that is the, the the sensual
0: this is mm-hmm.
1: great. Wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really illuminating and uh, Thanks so much. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can highly recommend this book to, to any man who is seeking to have a deeper relationship, not only with their beloved, but with themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. The beloved within. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. And yeah, I loved this experience with you.